2: podcast
1: all right welcome back to the outdoor drive podcast this is your boy East Coast Trev and this is Steve what's up Steve man it's nice to be back I know we uh we had a little break we were down in Dallas for a little bit and did one there Mobily, I did and then now back here with episode 121 yeah it is nice
2: it's been a little wild I'm not gonna lie I don't think I've taken two weeks off from recording in two years. It felt alien. I'm not going to lie. Was it good? (laughs) It kind of felt, it's like, man, I'm missing something. I should be doing something. You know, I didn't have any editing to do, production work to do. It was just like, okay, starting to kind of get that prickly feeling on the back of the neck, like something's missing. So it's good to be back on the mic. It is. And then... You know, we have a
1: couple of podcasts and then we'll be back at a show again, guys. Don't forget to visit us down in Harrisburg. If you guys are gonna be there or in the area, let us know. We'd love to see you shake hands, meet new people that we haven't met or put some faces to the names. Um, and shake some hands. So just let us know. We'll be there the first weekend. We will be there the fifth, sixth, seventh. Um, so love to fucking shake some hands and hang out with you guys. So
3: definitely. Gonna,
1: looking forward to that actually, because that is that would be our actual
2: two-year anniversary, right? Yeah, it will be. It'll be two years to the weekend, literally. That'll be. So
1: it, I can't wait to be. Actually, I think it'll actually be a week early because I think we went the oh, last right. We went the last hand.
2: weekend for the first. But we'll call it the
1: two-year anniversary. Well, so it'll be nice to get down there back in the shows after all this crazy corona crap and back to seeing people and shaking hands and kissing babies is, is always a great thing.
2: Definitely, man. I thought I was waiting for some type of joke about I was gonna say something but but, I was like you know what uh, I'm just I'm gonna let that one just just, fall just let it just let it slide I'm gonna let it go
1: (laughs) that's right um before we get too rambled off we might as well just rip on through um the sponsors and uh thank those guys yeah it's first
2: time of the year we technically get to tell them thanks.
1: yeah so let's let's do that uh let's start off with new air archery Zeus broadheads because this is the episode Uh, with Nick Albanese from Zeus Broadheads. Um, If you guys aren't shooting Zeus, you are missing out, and you will hear in this podcast why you should be shooting Zeus. Also, Nor'Easter Game Calls, Nor'EasterGameCalls.com. They are the best. Marky Mark up there does a phenomenal job, donates a ton of calls to the cause. Um, Tons of giveaways, tons of good things. If you guys haven't checked them out for your custom game calls, go on and check them out. Nor'EasterGameCalls.com. Rack Bracket, um, the most secure, sturdy Euro bracket on the market, rackbracket.com. Use promo code outdoordrive 10 Save yourself 10% on that one. Also, Latitude Outdoors, latitudeoutdoors.com. They make the Method 2 and the Classic 2 the most comfortable, quiet saddle on the market. Novix Outdoors, novixoutdoors.com. outdoordrive Drive 15. Save yourself 15% on that one. They do make the minis. Uh, we've done a lot with the minis and kind of modded those with uh, Vital Outground, Vital Outdoors, Vital Grounds Outdoors. Yeah, whatever. That's how you I know it's been it two out. weeks off. You're you're yeah, out of your train. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Listen to me stumble. Um, if you guys haven't gone over to YouTube side and checked out the video that Steve just put together on the Novix and Vital Ground Outdoors, uh, go and check that out over there. Gator Outdoors, be the reason. Promo code Outdoor Drive 25 save yourself 25% on that. They have now just given us um, our new kill shirts for our um, squirrel competition. Guys, thank you so much for everybody that has joined in on the squirrel competition. I cannot thank you guys enough. We're almost toppling over 40 entries on that, which never in a million years did I ever think that it would go that far. But it is a good thing. Got a lot of people back out in the woods or doing something new that they haven't done before. Um, Some really cool ones there's some killer killer,
2: um, there's squirrels that are straight booners coming out.
1: Yeah, man. I Certain mean, squirrels dude, I you never, didn't believe
2: would get that big.
1: I, you know, it's funny that you say that because in all honesty, the gray squirrel, I was nervous because we were holding tight around 22 inches, 21 and a half, 21 and three quarters, 22, 22. Then I mean, we were tied up for quite some time there. Um, and then, um, Philip whetstone, he came in with a 27 and three quarter inch gray squirrel. It's actually a really cool. Gray squirrel. It's got a black face on it. Um, it's actually a stud. And then we have a red Fox uh, Joe Seaborn. He shot a 24 and seven ace on the uh, gray Fox. And then we have the most squirrels is held right now by Joe Seaborn, uh, Josh Raske and Philip Whetstone. Those guys keep going back and forth. Uh, Josh actually just, put in one so he's now tied in first they both have nine squirrels um for the overall so some good stuff um there's a there's a couple cool no- more donations that have come in and more prizes more giveaways so um if you guys aren't on the outdoor drive group yet get on over there join on in and join in on the fun because you're missing out and then we'll have a um coyote competition coming up in february so you're not going to want to miss out on
2: that and and one thing just to point out guys we're we're coming up around that 40 entries mark and you've heard now where things stand nine squirrels for the most squirrels one really good day out in the woods you could take that and there's still a couple of days left in this thing there's you you got 12 days to get out into the woods and make it happen
1: there's no question that it's anyone's game. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about this whole squirrel hunting thing. Like, like it's anyone's game. I mean, you go out and have two good days of squirrel hunting and it's over. I mean, you could take first place no questions asked. No, no. Um
2: first place gifts, you know, who who's winning what in prizes.
1: So, first place for um the most squirrels, they're getting a $100 gift card. They're getting the holy grail of the um the mammoth ivory Squirrel call from Nor'Easter Game Calls, and uh, I think there's something else, but I don't really remember exactly what that is. And you get a badass T-shirt, by the way. You get a cool kill T-shirt. For the biggest biggest squirrel, that's kind of where you want to be, right? Like, you get the bragging rights for having the most squirrels and, and getting that, and who knows what else we'll end up coming up with. There might be some surprises in there. But for the biggest squirrel, you get a squirrel mount from the taxidermy shop down in Mississippi. Um, he donated two, actually, one for the biggest gray squirrel and one for the biggest fox squirrel. And then you both get custom calls from North Easter game calls. You get your T-shirt. I
2: mean, it's... All that for going out and shooting a squirrel, y'all. Yeah. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying. A squirrel. T- take a day off. Go out into the woods. Go shoot your squirrel. You may get a, a free mount.
1: So, so what's kind of crazy is I thought squirrel hunting was going to be so easy, right? And like you just go out in the woods and shoot a squirrel, right? It was, it was, you know, you did it as a kid. You sit on log and you wait, right? It's not that easy. It's, it's not about just. I mean, you got to pretty much act like you're deer hunting, sit in a tree, and then wait for the squirrels to come.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean, that's, not that that's how you can't just it. walk around and shoot a squirrel. You can, but it's not as productive.
1: There was a lot of smack talking about how these guys were going to shoot these giant squirrels and this many squirrels, but the leaderboard is not showing that you guys can smack down as many squirrels as you think, dude. So <laughs> I agreed. I don't know. There's a couple podcasts that had a bunch of talking that they were going to go and do it, but they didn't never showed up. I don't know where they are. I mean, it's ridiculous, but whatever. We'll not keep, calling anybody going. out
2: there to say it. Come
1: on now. Let's go. Let's talk about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> come on boys get a squirrel in the game here
1: the, if you look between the tines <laughs> <laughs> i don't
2: mean, know where and, you guys uh, are but get, get saying, those in, southern boys let's go but, so far the northerners yeah, are uh taking stride on you uh actually
1: so the i believe my understanding is that pennsylvania um Phillip is from Pennsylvania. There's been some Giants uh, from Pennsylvania, Maryland. I didn't even realize it. Oh yeah. Some of these, I, it's in St. Florida. Hey. Uh, the Chelsea Pebbles, she's been kicking oh, in with dude. her and her daughter. Yeah. Just just piling them up. So it's pretty cool to see. Um, and and it won't be the last time they see it. So
2: step up, y'all Ooh. got time. That's right. Man. Not much. But, are but you good. got time
1: the sheds are starting to fall there's a lot save a shed man kill a squirrel that's what i'm saying (laughs) i like it (laughs) what do you think steve should we uh snap on in with our good buddy nick
3: from zeus broadheads oh
1: before we get to that point you think maybe we should probably check in with mike salter
2: does anybody really need to know what's going on with the news Bringing you the news for the cruise is
4: our good buddy Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. Hey everyone, we're going to start this one off in Utah where the chairman of the Utah Wildlife Board broke a 3 3 tie between board members. The vote creates a new rule prohibiting all trail cameras from July 31st through December 31st. The rule also prohibits the sale or purchase of trail camera footage or data. Uh, to take, attempt to take, or aid in the take or attempt to take of big game animals. Uh, This makes now three states in the past year that have enacted such regulations, joining Arizona and Nevada. The board also approved banning night vision devices to locate or try to locate any big game animals beginning 48 hours before any big game hunt opening date and remaining in place until 48 hours after that big game hunt ends. The new rules will take effect before the 2022, 2022 hunting seasons. Um, And I've had more news sent to me on this by people in the past week than anything else before. So uh, it looks like a lot of people are really keeping a close eye on these new trail camera regulations as they're popping up across the state. So thank you to everyone that was sending that stuff to me in the past week or so. Um, Along the same lines, the Boone and Crockett Club has made changes to its um, big game records eligibility statement which disqualifies trophies taken with the aid uh, of some advanced technologies. This includes the use of sites with built-in electronic range-finding capabilities and technology that delivers real-time location data, including photos, to target or guide a hunter uh, to any animal, so no cell cams. Other examples include use of two-way radios or cell phones to help locate or guide a hunter to game. Uh, No animals can be taken at night. Use of drones for hunting or scouting purposes, Uh, use of thermal imaging even for uh, game recovery, and using electronic collared dogs to locate and access treed mountain lions. Uh, But the use of electronic collars for purposes um, of ensuring far ranging dogs do not become lost is acceptable. So some big changes there. Uh, Now some deadlines that are approaching to provide comments on proposed hunting and fishing changes in several states. First in Florida where the last online workshop on the proposed Goliath grouper season is today at noon, uh, but you can still provide written comments through Florida Fish and Wildlife's website uh, on the current proposal at myfwc.com slash marine. And then Indiana, where public hearing is scheduled for January 20th at 7 p.m. Public comments can also be submitted at www.in.gov slash nrc slash rules slash rulemaking dash docket. Uh, the big changes there include removing the requirement that body gripping traps uh, be completely covered by water and require only that they be covered uh, by 50 percent. Uh, also allowing tree stands and blinds to be left on DNR property provided that the standard blind is marked with the name address and phone number of the owner and their cust- uh, customer ID number issued by the department. Uh, it would also allow trail cameras on DNR properties designated in the rule if the owner is identified on the cameras. And also prohibiting bait for wild birds and deer on DNR properties except for the exemptions listed in the rule. Uh, Now to Arizona where comments on the proposed 2023 through 2028 hunt guidelines are due by January 30th. Uh, Comments can be submitted on that proposal uh, via email to azhuntguidelines at azgfd.com. And that is for the next five to six years. Uh, for hunting. So that's an important one. And Michigan, where comments are due by January 31st on the state's proposed wolf management plan. Uh, For information on the plan and to take the survey, you can go to michigan.gov slash wolves. Uh, So for everyone, this is your chance to be involved in these decisions. Uh, A lot of things going on across the country, a lot of rules um, being proposed right now. So make sure you get those comments in on time and have a voice in it. So now let's shift to some good news um, and some opportunities in Vermont. First, the Vermont uh, ice fishing clinics have started. Uh, A variety of clinics are being offered for all levels and everyone is welcome, no matter your experience. Each clinic will be two and a half to three hours. Uh, The ones coming up are January 21st at 2.30 p.m. That's a trout clinic at Lake St. Catherine State Park Boat Launch in Pulteney. Uh, And then January 22nd at 9 a.m., There's an intro to ice fishing at Singing Cedars Fishing Access in Orwell. And February 26th at 9 a.m. There's another intro to ice fishing at Retreat Meadows Fishing Access in Brattleboro. Now for these, pre-registration is required and that can be done at vtfishandwildlife.com. Lastly, registration is now open in Vermont for their 2022 Fish and Wildlife Conservation Camps. These are open to kids 12 to 14 years old who want to learn about wildlife and outdoor skills. Uh, including fish and wildlife conservation, ecology, forestry, orienteering, safe firearm and archery techniques, canoeing, fishing, and other activities. Uh, natural resource professionals come uh, to the camps and share information and take the kids' on-field activities. Um, these are one-week camps from June 19th through August 19th and cost $250, which does include food, lodging, and equipment for the kids, uh, which is a great price for that. Uh, so if you're interested applications are online at vtfishandwildlife.com and those will be held at lake bomacine in castleton and bud lake in woodbury so a couple great opportunities there in vermont for kids and adults uh this winter and the summer uh with that as always if you have news please send it along like i said a lot of people were reaching out about the trail camera stuff in utah which is awesome Uh, i've had a lot of stuff coming in so that's great keep it coming and, uh, with that, you can always know where to find me, Facebook at Mike Salter or beard underscore bo 121 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride.
2: Now you can roll it over and give the show to Nikki.
1: All right, let's do it. All right, guys, back on the phone with a good friend of ours. We call him a brother, Nick Albanese. What's up, brother? You there?
0: What's up, buddy? How What's are you guys?
1: Up? Oh, we're doing good. How about you, man?
0: Good 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 not bad. Hanging in there.
1: You've had you've had quite the stellar season. You've pretty much what you filled pretty much every one of your tags down there in New Jersey.
0: Almost almost yeah. as far as Bucks goes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> almost a good thing, right? I mean every time yeah. I turned around you always had you had one down, so
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was although it was a tough season, um EHD hit us pretty good here in Jersey this year. Um Although it was tough, I was still able to find a you know couple bucks to hone in on and, and chase them around.
1: Hell yeah, man. Well, for anybody that was living yeah. underneath a rock and doesn't really know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself, tell a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you do.
0: Sure. So uh, My name is Nick Albanese. I am the owner of Zeus Broadheads, Steady Form, and B-16, which is a deer feed um we're we're out of new jersey um i started probably now it's got to be 12 13 years ago in the industry with my first product study form and from there it just advanced into other products um and right now we got three main products and we're looking to add a couple others um here in the near future uh, that we're pretty excited about so you know, we keep innovating. We like, we love what we do. Um, we are just your regular guys. This is not a big company that has a bunch of guys sitting around the table thinking of different ways to make things look pretty. We we make things work. That's our main focus. We want products that actually work.
1: And I, I guess. And, um, you're not lying about that because when Zeus broadhead came out, I think everybody was kind of on the fence. And then now watching it over the past couple of years, it's just evolved into like, not, not a cult following, but the guys that use it, love it. You know, they're just all oh, about- out a doubt.
0: Yeah. When people are open-minded, you know, as bow hunters, we get kind of set in our ways with certain things and products. And, and that's totally cool. Um, but when someone has an open mind and is willing to try sometimes what you realize is that there's better stuff available more stuff that achieves more goals than what you're already using so um that's what we strive on we strive on i'm not about trying to bring out something new every year um what we focus on is what we have and we, we, we make it as best as we can, and then a couple years down the line, we'll start developing something else. We do all our field testing first, and then we bring it out to the public.
1: And cause waves. No.
3: Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. I, th-
1: I think people, like you're saying, man, people are just so set in their ways of the things that yes. that they use, and then when they see something like the Zeus that comes out and it just kind of goes against everything that they've ever believed in and then you prove it to yeah. them and then they use it and they're like, whoa, hold on. This doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's against everything that I've ever believed in.
0: Correct. Zeus is a powerhouse. I mean, it is a force to be reckoned with. And I I can say that with 100% backing behind it. There's not many broadheads in that field, what field I'm talking about is 100 green, 125 grain, um, that can handle what Zeus can handle. I've used lots and lots of different broadheads, and there's a lot of great broadheads out there. But I designed Zeus completely different to achieve those oh shit moments. And it does.
1: And, and that's what it's made for, because it, if, why don't you explain, like, how it actually works, Zeus actually works?
0: So Zeus is a fixed broadhead, but yet has the ability to collapse. The blades, the main blades will collapse down to ensure penetration when it's feeling resistance. Now, if it's not feeling that resistance, those blades don't collapse. And it's a fixed blade. So I guess technically you could say it's a fixed blade, part-time, reverse hybrid, right? Because everything about Zeus is reversed than every other broadhead. Every other broadhead has to open on impact first, which you're diminishing your, your kinetic energy when you are trying to peel black, peel back blades or force something fixed into something very tough. When you get a Zeus, you know, we, we've trademarked SmartHead because it knows what it's feeling and, ha- and knows how much to collapse too, right? So it's an inch and a half that goes down to an inch, but it doesn't have to go to an inch. It could go to an inch and a quarter. It all depends on what type of material it's, in, it's, it's encountering. So it's a reversed hybrid, but only part-time only if it's called for, otherwise it's fixed all the time. If you shoot them through the lungs area, no problem. You encounter shoulder blades or bone, that's when it's going to react. And it's going to ensure that it gets the deepest penetration that you get with the setup you're using, right? I mean, I use a 70-pound bow. Some guys might use 50 or 60 or whatever the case may be. But we've had tons of success. From 40-pound bows to 70-pound bows, you know, great penetration. And and Zeus is going to know how much it has to adjust itself to get that penetration.
1: So did you expect for it to be where it is today when you had started it off originally a couple years ago?
0: No. Nope. Um, I knew I'd create a buzz because no broadhead has ever done that right so no broadhead claims to be fixed all the time but yet can be a part-time hybrid in reverse so zeus is one of a kind but there's a lot more that goes into it too like so our tip is flared out and rigid at the edges as you know like if you were to spin your finger around that tip it doesn't feel like any other tip and what we focused on is how can we create shock like a, like a bullet would and we found out by setting this tip a certain way that it actually introduces shock to their system and that by itself just hurts them. you know it hurts them real real bad real quick and a lot of guys are like dude it only went 10 yards or it only went 15 yards the majority of guys say it doesn't make it past 20. You know, but Zeus is a powerhouse, that is for sure. You
1: had a posted up a, a picture not too long ago of a deer that you had shot and it looked like it literally got shot by, I think it was you that posted it up. It looked like it got shot by a 30-06. It was all like coagulated blood inside of its like shoulder area.
0: That was wasn't it? me, but I did. I did get a picture from a buddy last night that shot one. And he didn't post it, but I think I'm gonna ask him to. And by looking at it, you would think, hands down, without without a shadow of a doubt, that it was shot with a high-powered rifle or slug gun. Jeez, you would never think the broadhead did that much damage.
2: Wow. See, and that's but that's, that's one thing. Dude does uh, after the last couple of years of shooting them, and this is between right. me at my sixty pounds and my wife shooting forty-five to fifty pounds, one thing mm-hmm. I can say. Uh, so I tend to be an aero geek and I play into, you know, all the different stuff. This broadhead in itself correct. almost replicates the effects of a heavy FOC arrow without having to do all the the calculations and all of the fancy weighing and inserts and all the extra pieces and that's parts. Correct. It just has that effect because of the way it functions. Yep. So.
0: so that's a great point because... Zeus thrives on speed. It really does. You don't need the heavy weight to push that broadhead. It loves speed. Faster it's going, the harder it's hitting, and the and the more it's penetrating. Where everything we know up to until today is you need the heavy FOC to push in, this and that. Um but not with Zeus. I was making a steel version of 175 and a 200 grain. I actually realized that we were getting less penetration with the 175 and 200 grain. It still penetrated well, but when I shot a deer, say with a, I shot a few of them with a the 200 grain, and I would shoot through the deer, sometimes the arrow would fall on the ground. Sometimes it was just held with fletch but when I shot it with a 400 grain total weight, you know, arrow and broadhead, that thing was through that deer shoulders and 30 yards behind. It. So it goes against everything we know, but that's why it's a reversed acting type of broadhead, right? Everything that we have today has to open on impact, which pulls that kinetic energy and flows that momentum down. With Zeus, there's no
3: slowing
0: down and, it, and it's going to react.
2: Right. And, and that's what I really wanted to point out is yeah. I was shooting heavy FOC with fixed blades before I switched to Zeus and it was, Correct. you know, 50, 50, you'd get good penetration, but you wouldn't get pass throughs all the time. You'd hit a shoulder. And of course, Correct. you know, you'd still get good penetration, but it wasn't a blowout. And then I replicated the shot with a 425 grain arrow micro diameter with a hundred grain Zeus first ones I ever bought and put it right through the shoulder clean pass through deer went 20 yards stopped and was looking around like what just happened and then fell over on the spot you know I'd I'd never had a heavy arrow even do that so that's what sold me
0: yeah yeah so we discontinued our 175 and 200 right because it doesn't give Zeus the representation it deserves yeah, there's I was trying to accommodate that that area. Right. There's no need. That's but the beauty was, of it. There's no need. Yeah. I, I started to realize that I'm getting away from what I truly created. You know, because I'm not a heavy FOC guy. I'm, I don't shoot heavy arrows. I don't want to shoot heavy arrows. I like to maximize, you know, these compounds that we have today. You know, I want to maximize everything I get out of it. I can't get out of it. Right. Um, and and that's why I created Zeus for issues that I was having with other broadheads in certain shots.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's a perfect you broadhead know? to pair with high efficiency bows. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. losing kinetic energy out of the arrows out of almost any bow you shoot today. So no. why cut your speed in half to get the Correct. penetration you can get at a high speed arrow? with his broadhead. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And and not even you know, for then, only
0: just whitetails. No. We got guys knocking elk down, uh, moose, uh, pronghorn, I mean everything. Squirrels. We had, we, we had <laughs> It's been taken <laughs> we overseas across the pond. <laughs> yep. We had guys in Africa. My one buddy, Dan DeWitt, shot a crocodile. I'll never forget it. He shot Cape Buffalo and Zeus crocodile, Sable, a bunch of stuff, him and his wife. But the crocodile, when they shot that crocodile, the PH, they called me and the PH said in 30 years, I've never seen an arrow because not only did he go in behind the shoulder, he went in high, he went through the crocodile's spine and out the other side. And the PH was like, I've never seen a, a broadhead do that.
2: Yeah, and anyone unfamiliar, a crocodile's hides near impenetrable, even with a rifle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: On the top side. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Now, I will say that was with one of the 175s in a steel version.
2: But that's also due to requirements of that country.
0: Correct. So they were very um, skeptical about Zeus. Like the whole time he was planning that trip, I had to send videos to this PH of all these tests that I've done with just the regular zoos. And he was very skeptical, very skeptical, and he allowed him to try it, you know, and they figured if it didn't work on the first animal, it was over. Right. And they they ended up killing a pile of animals and big animals, all big, big stuff.
2: The proof's in the pudding.
0: But uh, yeah, the Cape buffalo and the croc were definitely impressive. Awesome.
1: Especially a lot of the animals across across the pond, they have a different they have a different anatomy than the American animals. Yep. A lot of their ribcages yep. are intertwined. They have a, they have like what would be a shield on a pig. They have that on almost every single animal. I mean to shoot a warthog, a warthog is like almost like shooting a mini tank. Yep. So yep. a lot of those animals are not like our animals.
0: No, and you got to shoot them forward. You have to shoot them through that shoulder area because their vitals are forward. Mm-hmm. And I've had guys go there with 100 grain zoos and shoot zebra, um, kudu, warthog, you name it. It's all been shot and with the same results. And then every. Every guy that I've had go there now, probably three or four different guys, all said the same thing when they spoke to, to me what the PH was saying to them after they were seeing what Zeus was doing. And the one guy shooting the kudu and zebra, um, he shot uh, sable. He was shooting a 390-grain total weight. That's arrow and broadhead. And was zip through them like butter.
2: Yeah, that I mean, goes right back to what we were saying they love speed Correct.
0: they love speed yeah. the faster you go the better it is
1: so how did Zeus play into your season this year Nick I know that you've had kind of a crazy season why don't you kind of tear it down for us
0: ok um, right out the gate um, here in New Jersey you have to shoot a doe before you can shoot a buck you have to earn a buck so opening day i went out i toasted a dough shot her right through the shoulders she piled up within 20 yards and then that evening i shot a beautiful six by four ten points six points on one side four on the other and i busted right through his whole front end and uh right out the gate on opening day first day i had two deer on the ground and it was it was awesome and from there you know i just I hone in on certain bucks on certain areas that I'm hunting, and those are the bucks that I'm going to focus on if I'm there. And I and I and I tend to stick to that. So if others come in, unless it's something I've never seen and it's you know gigantic or something, um, I do a lot more looking than shooting. Um, then I went out for our shotgun season, and uh, on our opening day of shotgun season, I took the bow. And I was able to shoot a gorgeous eight point. Took him down. He didn't make it. Shit. Fifteen yards. I mean he was he was he was quarter and two. So I went in right behind the shoulder, right on the back edge of the shoulder I hit. And I busted out his rear leg bone and shattered that. And he just stumbled. He couldn't even make it. then from there, I did something that I normally don't do much of, but I did pick up my muzzleloader and uh, ended up killing a big biggie um, at my gun club. A lot of guys were hunting them all season, and I kind of stayed back and didn't go in there. I was figured I'd let them have at it. And then come towards the end of December, I had more time on my hands. I grabbed my muzzleloader and started hunting that deer. And I was able to connect with him. So and what then do I you, think I've shot one other doe since. I shot a doe last week.
1: So so and what is kind of like some, some of, of your... Luck, so. Oh, oh, you still have season to go? Yeah, we go to
0: February 12th.
1: Jeez, man. Yeah. So so what kind of things do you do? Like So when you start out your year, so when, when does your season start and how do you get it rolling and then, then decide what do you're going to move in and how are you going to go about doing that?
0: So my season never ends. And that's because I complement everything with my feed, right? I have a product called B 16, which enhances the growth of whitetail. Um, so it never ends really. Um, I feed throughout the year um, and I watch and I, and I take all these pictures that I get them these year and I log them all into my computer. I got hundreds of thousands of pictures, stuff that I could go back to and follow these year, year after year after year. That's how it starts. I pick out the ones that I think I'm want to shoot. And then from there I'll go in. now, you know, part of growing white You know, some people don't realize, some people do. You can't magically make a buck 180-inch deer. just doesn't work like that. Genetics are going to play the big, big role in in all of that. So I try to shoot five-year-old bucks and older, but I do shoot some four-year-olds. Now, these four-year-olds, I can tell if I want to shoot them or not from the prior year, I look at the jump they make from three to four. And if the jump is not real huge, then I'll focus on that deer. If the jump is big, I'll leave them for another year. So that just plays a role in everything you know, the management aspect of it, but it's a year round job if you're, if you're going to be, you know, dedicated to the cause. But I can honestly say every year, you know, people see me and see me shooting multiple bucks, buck after buck, after buck, after buck, but what they don't realize is that just doesn't happen by mistake. You know, there's a lot of work that goes in there and it's time and dedication, um, but I love it. I mean, it's what I love to do. And granted, we're in New Jersey, so you can't expect you know, bucks like you see out west. Although we do grow some here and there, but my biggest New Jersey buck is 160 inch deer. That's big for Jersey. Has there been others killed bigger? Yes, but it's not in quantity. You know, So average, you're gonna see that. 125 to 145 inch deer from what I've from all the intel I've gathered
3: throughout the years
1: so with feeding these deer though a lot of people like everybody you talk to that's, that's feeding deer or hunting over bait they have a hard time mm-hmm. of getting these bucks to daylight a lot of the times they make Correct. them nocturnal so what are, what are you doing different than everybody else
0: so it's funny because sometimes I'll hunt the feed Majority of times, I hunt by 150 yards from the feed. So it's, it's almost like hunting a food plot, right? You know where the deer are bedding, and you know where they're ending up to eat. So there's going to be a transition zone in the middle. And, and a lot of times, that's what I focus on. Because the mature buck, you know, it's not, it's not easy kill mature box, high-pressured mature box. You know, I'm not talking about in a little development where nobody hunts and you sneak in put a little feed and you got 140-inch deer standing there. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking high-pressured areas, whether it's public land, even private land, if you have a small piece, it's still a high-pressured piece because you've got guys all around you. Um, But I've killed them on public land, I've killed them on private land, I've killed them on club land. You know, the outcome is the same when you know what you're looking for. And and that's how you have to play it. So like this last year that I shot with my muzzleloader towards the end of December, I started hunting the movements of the members, if that makes any sense. They, they, they determined where that deer was going to end up and I was able to read the sign. So I focused on what they were doing and, and, and came up with a game plan. Took, meanwhile, nobody sees this deer, right? They're hunting them all season. Nobody sees them in daylight. They'll get pictures of them sometimes right, right before dark or all night long, but nobody actually sees them In daylight I let the whole season go through I left all the bow season permit bow shotgun muzzleloader and I jump in um, during that muzzleload season towards the the tail end of of December so we've had all September October November and December nobody could see that deer and I realized that the deer was keyed in on their movements their their entrance and exits I'm a big big a lot of times you see me post and I, and I talk about entrance and exit. It's not hard to educate an animal, especially a mature deer, on what you're doing. And if you, if you don't realize that, some guys say, oh, you just sit on a bait pile, they come in, blah, 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 blah. No, it's the same thing like me saying, okay, well, you're sitting under an acorn tree. How come you didn't shoot one? Them, them acorns have been falling for two weeks and you've been sitting there. How come you didn't shoot that mature deer there? Why? It's the same difference. Even like a food plot. Some guy set up little one acre pill plot. Well, how often do you go in there and shoot that mature deer? Every time? No. Never gonna happen. Just doesn't work like that. It's timing. It's it's detection of you, your ins, your outs, or your surrounding pressure. If you can you read your surrounding pressure, and I bank on that a lot that's how I end up killing the majority of these deer.
1: Hello? Yeah, we got you. We're still here. we oh. are listening. We're, <laughs> we're taking it all in, like, man.
0: We're, we're am taking I, it all in. Am I, take, am I talking too much here?
3: No. <laughs> no. So, classes in session.
0: Seen, well, so here's the thing. I, if, if you follow me, you're going to see that every year I'll shoot multiple mature box here, right here in New Jersey, over and over and over and over again. That's not by mistake or, oh, man, you're, just, you're so lucky. That, that doesn't happen like that. You know, you got to really, I'm a big topo map guy. So I look at the topos. And, and they tell me a lot on how deer are going to travel. When you can read those maps, you can see a lot. And I had a good buddy of mine um, mentor me into that. His name is Mike Clerkin. He was a big advocate of um, North American Whitetail, North American Whitetail television. He was one of the founding guys there. 15 years he was with them. And he's one of the most knowledgeable Whitetail guys I know personally. I met him when I first was introduced into the industry with Steadyform. We became friends along the way. um, And he has mentored and opened my eyes to certain things that was right there in front of my face, but I didn't see it. And, you know, I, I would pick his brain and just ask him questions and pick his brain. And i call him all the time. And, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an awesome man. He's a gentleman. And he would take the time to answer my calls and answer my questions and give me insight on what his thought was. And you just, you know, through the years of doing it and fine-tuning it, you come up with your own knickknack, right? I can sit here and tell you until I'm blue in the face, but until you actually do it over and over and over again, and you see the plan come together. It might not come together every time. It might come together once a year, but you saw it work. Maybe it comes together and it's not the buck you're looking for, but you saw it work. Now now you're, you're teaching yourself what works best for you in your scenario, in your property whether it's state land, private land, or public land. Like I said, I kill bucks always. State land, no problem. Private land, club land.
3: And a lot Um, of the times it
0: takes
1: takes you to actually see it, like understanding how a deer will come in and check the downward side before he goes into a bed or downward Mm -hmm. side of a scrape or whatever. You have to physically see that to understand it. We could talk about it a million and one times, but unless you right. actually see it, you're not going to see how it actually works, I feel like.
0: No. And there's so much. Like, you don't have enough time to listen to me babble here <laughs> about it all. It's, just, it's, just, it's impossible. But there's so much mm-hmm. that I've even talked to Mike, my clerk, about writing a book and putting it all down. Mm-hmm. Just... And it's not not for anything, but just to to leave a mark for somebody that is interested to read and potentially learn off of.
1: Absolutely. You know, my
0: tactics may be different, right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of of one of my tactics, right? So mature bucks, five, six, seven-year-old, these bucks don't have great teeth, right? So. When I put B16 out, it's a grinded feed. It's very soft, palatable. I'm catering to their teeth. It's going to be easier for them to eat that than a pile of corn. Now, I do mix corn in it, but I'll mix cracked corn. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So when you mix something that adjusts to them where it's easier for them and it, they, they love the taste and they're getting the vitamins and the minerals, everything that um, B-16 provides, now they're feeling good, but it's, it's soft on their, on their gums. They're going to choose that. That's something I had to teach myself. A lot of guys have put out whole corn and cob corn. That's great. I can't. I'm not saying that doesn't work. So does everybody else. So why don't you try something softer to their to their teeth and see how they react to that? You might find out that that buck's going to favor that site because it's easier for him to eat, and bingo, he's going to fall into your lap. Does that make any sense?
1: Absolutely, and people oversight that. That's something that you're never. I would never have thought of something like
3: that. And Nobody there, I mean, does.
0: You, I. I taught myself that. And I started shooting six and seven year old bucks, broad daylight, and I film my hunts. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I post a deer, I'll post a video clip of that deer. And, you know, all my friends are like, oh my God, you got a horseshoe in your ass. That's cool, but, it's, but, but the, the lucky part is, right? Like, it's not that I don't know, I know that deer is gonna be there, I just don't know when, right? right? So the timing part is the luck part. I was lucky that today I decided to go and today was the day he showed.
3: Right.
0: I know for a fact they're coming. The setups I have, I know for a fact don't be there. And that's, that's a big key in this game to success is knowing that they're gonna be here, they're gonna transition here, that they're, they're gonna stage here. Whatever that case may be, that's, that's the whole thing. Now, once you've learned that, how are you getting there? How are you getting out of there? So, those are the, you know, a lot of my posts will say entrance and exit. That's, that's really, really, really key to the success of this. You're going to educate that animal. And once you educate them, you know, people are like, oh, they, they went nocturnal. Yeah because they know they're watching you, they know you're there. And it depends how serious you want to be about it. But once you start figuring that all out, and these things come walking out in broad daylight, it almost becomes easy. And that's I'd love to
1: do that. You made a very valid point because everybody talks about entrance, 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 but a lot of people don't talk about exit
0: because
2: after your hunt what do you what mean you, it's dark time, I can get out and walk anywhere
3: Exactly,
1: and yep. that's exactly it or they're like they're frustrated because they're like I didn't see the deer whatever and then they just stomp out of the woods but you need to go in ten times quieter on the way out than you did on the way in in my opinion
0: yeah they're there especially if you're drawing them into an area a bait right. pile, a food plot or an acorn tree or an apple tree persimmon tree they're coming there Just because you didn't see them in daylight and decide to slip out, doesn't mean that they weren't there watching you slip out.
1: Correct. That's crazy. Definitely. That's absolutely
0: nuts. but but when you can teach yourself all these little tricks and skills, and you see it for yourself, and it starts to click, I'm not saying it's easy, but it almost feels like it becomes easy like you, you knew it was going to happen.
2: Right. And it makes sense. You know, you start seeing that yep. movement, it becomes predictable, and the only variable is how much you influence it.
0: Right. So but once re- you've done it on one deer, two deer, three deer, half a dozen deer, half a dozen shooters you were looking for, and you've capitalized on every one of them.
2: Right. You're no longer the That's variable. That's not
0: luck. Right that's not luck.
1: I want to actually snap right into the B-16. Can you kind of like tear it down? I I don't want no secrets or nothing, but you have two different formulas and Mm -hmm. just tell us a little bit about them. How you start feeding from start to finish.
0: Okay. So we have a spring and summer formula and we have a fall and winter formula. The spring and summer formula is very high in proteins. Uh, minerals calcium vitamins fibers low fat when we switch over to come august i switch over to my fall and winter blend which drops in the protein and increases your fibers and your fat Um, because what happens in the winter time a lot of the fiber is gone so you want to make sure there's a good amount of fiber there for the deer. So that when they transition into spring, so when they come from winter into spring, their bodies are reacclimating to the food that's becoming available, the fibers and everything else, the high proteins. So when they're transitioning, there's no setback. Part of that transition can delay the amount of growth on a rack also. So you want them to be able to recover and jump right in without losing that weight, without being run down and tired. Um, so these formulas are built around keeping them as healthy as possible. And in turn, you'll get the best racks you can have to what their potential is.
2: Gotcha. So question and just general kind of outlook. Say somebody's never done any additional feeding no supplements no nothing Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and they introduce this into the herd and they do it correctly given yep what do you think would kind of be the average expectation before someone's going to start seeing that result of the higher minerals the higher rates of intake to grow that extra mass and size that genetics will allow
0: so I tell everybody two seasons. The first season, you'll see a little bit of a difference. And what you'll see is you're building a bigger deer. Like, if you notice, a lot of my deer, when I post pictures, I mean, they look like steer. Yes. Because I've had them on it for multiple years. So you're building a big, healthy animal. So you're going to see that, right? You're going to see these body weights increase on these deer right away. But it usually takes a couple seasons where it's in their system, and it doesn't take a lot of it, right? So I sell them in 50 pound bags, but I only recommend putting 15 pounds out a week. I just sell it in bulk instead of breaking them down into these little 10 pound bags and put them in your tractor supplies or Walmart. I'd rather just sell it in bulk. You save money in the long run and you're getting a more beneficial fee.
2: Understandable.
0: Um, and you'll start, but a lot of it's gonna to start too So, I've seen guys say, well, I put it out, I got lots of does coming in. And that's fantastic. Because you're starting those yearlings off.
2: That was my next point. Right out the gate
0: instead of starting a a two or three year old and going into it. Yeah,
2: because I can only imagine that a doe that's been on it for a year or two and has that additional supplemental, she gives birth to a fawn. It's a healthy fawn. It's now feeding on a healthy doe. It's going to come out year one way ahead of where it would be on natural
0: selection. So a lot of my button bucks, and I know this is going to sound crazy, and it's not. A lot of my button bucks right now have probably an inch and a half of, I don't know if you want to call it cartilage or antler sticking out of their head you would almost think that they were a buck that never grew antlers like grew a set of antlers but Got they're you. actually my buck
2: i wouldn't say it's crazy we've we've had more than enough uh button buck stories on the show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that actually makes does. sense we call them button yeah. no. <laughs> well, well, we did have the double throat patch button do. And it wasn't crazy
3: because Marduk saw it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs>
2: but
1: That's you're awful. seeing it as, as far as even in your yearlings.
0: Yeah. So right out the gate, I mean, you'll see a change the first season. But the second season, overall, you start to see it more you've built a better deer. I mean, he is a, a thoroughbred. He looks like a Clydesdale. Gotcha. Well,
2: yeah. I, I definitely look forward to putting that to the test. We're building a property down here on the southern end of Virginia. And uh, okay. it, it's definitely gonna get some some supplemental work. And uh, yeah. I look forward to seeing what it'll do to the swamp deer
0: down there. Yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, we're getting into setting up distribution in different areas in different states, so it's more accessible to guys. I mean, it started right here in New Jersey, and it took off more than I expected it to. Um, But what's happening is these guys are seeing the results; they're killing beautiful animals, and and they they you know a lot of times I make a joke to these guys, and I'll say, "You're more addicted to this than the beer are." (laughs) <laughs> because when they run out, they're like, dude, I need, to, I need to have it. You know? If you run out, it's That's okay. Funny. It's not gonna, it's not detrimental if you miss a couple weeks, you know, to it. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, it's, it's not the end of the world if, if you haven't had it for a couple of weeks and you weren't able to put it out. It's still in their system.
1: It's like a crackhead on the corner trying to get that (laughs) B16.
0: It is, man. It's bad. And then sometimes, even myself, you know, I'll go, so I'll feed all year. There's certain spots that I feed that I don't even hunt right now. I just feed it because I got a lot of deer coming to it and I'm just feeding the deer. So sometimes if I sell out a B16 and I don't have any, I'll go put out some crack corn and and you watch, like, the activity is not the same. But the minute I sprinkle a little B-16 into it, man, holy Christ, they come pounded in there.
1: Well, well, you have a bunch of videos of you just going into the woods with it, and then a bunch of deers just start coming.
0: Yeah. A lot of guys do that use it. That's nuts. Well, um, just... these deer get so hooked to it, you know.
2: And that's one other part to it, though, especially in the cold season, is you put something mm-hmm. like that out compared to whole corn or cracked corn, it's more digestible. So Absolutely. it does a lot less damage to the deer's body trying to process it so they're actually retaining right. it and it's not burning out all their extra carbs and everything
0: that's keeping them warm. That is correct. So that's when B16 was tailored around the rumens of the deer, the stock gotcha and getting, and
1: um and that will boom. get them to more or less come during the day like the like you killing them going to it during yeah. the day yeah yep yeah. which is not it's just nuts to yeah. me because every you hear all those horror stories i turned them nocturnal i turned them nocturnal you know but mm. and we've gone over that that you know it's also entrance well, and exit
2: right i love watching yeah. people that you know, they run a, a steady bait pile and they're in there the same day, every day of the week, dumping it in there yep. and then hunting over that same pile, coming in the same way, leaving the same way. And they never see the deer they want to shoot over that same pile. Yep. And Correct. That's, that's like common sense. Dude. They know when you're coming in to feed. They know you're way know in exactly the way out. I mean, they read you like yeah. a book and they go, well, hell, let's just wait till dark and uh, we'll go fill up when dummy's gone.
0: So some of my friends laugh at me because I'll go in and feed at ten or eleven o'clock at
2: night. Oh, at all. Absolutely. Make them daytime. They're like, what are you
0: doing? Exactly. That's so they're smart. I didn't even in here in there. the dark.
2: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's 100% You're doing correct.
1: opposite of what they're used to. Yes. Everybody goes during the day correct. and scares them into the dark. If you go during the dark, you're gonna scare them to the day.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've heard a few folks try that there in the past, is. and they, they swear by it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I, it makes
3: sense. you got to find they're... out.
0: Yeah. There's little tiny tricks. There's lots of little tricks that you can do to increase your odds, right? Some people use bait. And I love when you see guys that say, oh, you know, it's not ethical or it's not sports being you're hunting over a bait pile. Okay. So hey, that would go for the same as if you were hunting an apple tree or an acorn tree, or a little one acre food plot.
2: Yeah, it's a food source. What are you doing? Why
0: are you hunting there? You're setting yourself up for a shot. That's like using um, dough and estrus. Why are you using it? Why are you putting it 20 yards from your stand? For what? It's the same thing. What are you making a drag to your tree stand for?
1: To get the deer to come to you.
0: Correct. You're trying to stack the odds in your favor. Just because you have a bait pile doesn't mean you're going to kill that deer all the time. Absolutely not. And lots of times, I won't hunt that bait pile. I hunt beyond that that bait pile.
2: Well, like you said, 150 yards off. And it's the
0: same thing, right? It's the same thing when you plant a food pot. What about the guys that don't have property? that has fields to make food plots and stuff like that but they you know they're contending with the neighboring property that has 100 acres of fields and there might be soybean and corn out there or whatever how come that's not ethical for you to do something to set yourself up for shop whether it's bait yellow estrus drags mock scrapes uh, acorn trees, apple trees, little kill plot we're all doing the same thing. It's the same thing. You can't sit there and argue that issue with me because all you're doing is contradicting yourself.
2: No, you, ha- just you have, have a point. It's the
0: same exact yeah. thing.
2: You, the ultimate goal to killing a deer is I know they are going here because dot, dot, dot. Regardless of right. whatever the dot, dot, dot is, that's why they're going there, and that's why you're going to sit there and try to kill them.
0: And I got one better. We got cameras. As a matter of fact, we got cameras that come to our phone. Why do we have those cameras? why do we have these pictures? Why are Why are we sending them to our phone?
1: So we know that the because deer are there. Because we want
0: to know. Yep. Exactly. So you can't say what's ethical and what's not or what's unethical, right? Because some people might be like, Jesus Christ, you got a camera there that says the deer's coming in at 3 o'clock on a southwest wind uh, you know, every other day, okay? Well, guess what? I'm going to be there before 3 o'clock on a southwest wind to kill that animal. That camera is just as valuable as a bait pile, food plot, persimmon tree, apple tree, acorn tree, mock tree. It's the same thing. Yep. So when I hear guys get into that tip about a bait pile or whatever the case may be, I sit there and and, and I think to myself, you're absolutely contradicting yourself. there's a camera, don't, don't sit by an acorn tree, don't make mock scrapes, and just go walk around, if that's the case.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and
2: a lot of the times those arguments are going to come from people that are in states where either it's a legal debate during the season or there are restrictions and things that they can't do it. So their excuses, I have right. to do it without it. Therefore you're less of a hunter because I do it and I can't do it. So that, if they were
1: able to do it, they would do it. Oh, a hundred percent. They're just mad that they can't set themselves up like that and they're not going to do it. So I mean, listen, I'm one of them.
2: No. Cause well, I'm upset. I can't right. be. Well, it's like here in Virginia, we can, we can supplement feed off season. So, correct. The day after the season till thirty days before the season, we're allowed to supplemental feed, which works out perfect. Yep. You know, because yep. ultimately that's when I'm trying to grow the deer anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you do that, and you add that in with your food plots and all your other strategies and tips and techniques and things that you want to do to try to make things better for you. What's the difference? Right. I got a soybean it field. Matter. They've been coming in supplemental feed leading into the soybean field. Well, the supplemental feed's gone, but soybean field's still there and they're coming through there on a natural pattern. Yeah. So now I so go hunting funny. in the same spot.
0: A, a, a buddy of mine recently, he says he's not in a bait state. I'm not gonna name names or what state it is. Mm-hmm. And I laughed at him. He's like, but I got corn fields, you know, the farmer plants corn and, and soybean and yada yada yada." And I said, okay.
2: 100 acres said, of bait. So you're not in the bait.
0: <laughs> yes, you're not in the bait state, right. I said, I have a couple buddies that are not in bait state, but they'll plant, you know, a 10-acre patch of corn, but they'll leave an acre of it standing where they want. As a matter of fact, they brush hog it. Yep. So now what?
2: They're ba- they're legally baiting.
0: Yeah, they're legally baiting. Right. right? So I w- when when I see and hear certain things like the whole baiting thing, oh, you can't bait. Okay. So if I was in one of those states, that's exactly how I would set it up. Hundred
2: mm-hmm. percent.
0: We all do. I it. rush hard my corn down. Yep.
2: I mean, plant turnips, so and that's that's <laughs> yeah. always a big thing, and it's hit or miss, especially in the bird season around here, is. You know, especially when doves come in, everyone plants sunflowers, Mm -hmm. and then right before dove season, everyone goes out and brush hogs their sunflower seeds. Well, guess what? Every dove in the neighborhood's coming to that field. You can't bait them, but by God, they're coming in.
0: They're coming there, right?
2: It's no different. It's like me
0: saying, you know what, guys. Just go fishing and, and, and don't put bait on the hook. Just throw the freaking hook in the water. Right. It's the same difference. It is. So that, it, 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 you see these guys contradicting themselves when, they, when they're trying to belittle another fellow hunter, they're really making themselves look bad. Because you're doing the same thing one way or another. You are absolutely doing the same thing. Unless, unless. You are a, um, a state land guy, and you travel all over, and you've got no cameras, and you hike in, and you put boots on the ground and set up tents. That's a completely different type of hunt. But you're going to find vantage points. You're going to find water holes that you might sit on. Once you've learned the terrain, guess what? You're going to sit right there in that water hole. Why?
2: That's where they're going. It's just like
0: bait. <laughs> yep all it is yep
1: they're gonna come there well you know what since we're on the subject i have a question for you but you can't use the same answer right the question is (laughs) what, what would you want to change about the outdoor industry and why
0: That's a great question.
2: Sounds like a, a well, lot of change it. a lot of thinking
0: going on there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I know Nikki well, well enough. <laughs> <so>.
0: <laughs> yeah. My my biggest qualm is hunters against hunters, right? Yep. If it's legal, it's legal, and everybody should support each other if they're doing things legally. Um. So, so you said I can't use the same thing, which technically I am. Right. But um outside of that what would i change wow i I can't i can't answer that
2: he hates the handy hunters versus hunters situation bad enough there's nothing more important
0: and it comes in so many different forms it
2: It does truly
1: because i think that we're all our own our own worst enemies when it comes to everything
0: we are yep We are, and some guys might like to go to a high fence operation. So what, how is that hurting you on your property? It's not. It's not.
2: The only thing it's doing Uh is it's giving them an opportunity in a very short Mm -hmm. window of time at taking a mature animal, because they don't have the property or time to put in to do it like someone who does. Right, and they're paying for it so
0: they're paying for it we're all paying for it one way or another whether we're we're paying for leases and everything else too but exactly you know i don't i don't look down on anybody for any choices they make that are legal how can you they're not bothering you it's it's a jealousy wrong to you
2: you you killed that 180 inch buck on a three-day reserved hunt on a high fence area and paid out the ass to do it well guess what it's no different than someone who has access to property with 180 inch deer and can put in the time to scout plan prepare strategize and go hunt in a 180 inch deer yeah some people don't have that yeah no
0: no and the hunter dollars are still
1: going
2: exactly right
0: so at the end of the day, even if it's your not cup of tea and it's not what you would do, that's okay. Nobody's forcing you to. So why are you going to belittle the guy that did it? Because you what, didn't. <laughs> what, what What are you going to get out of that?
2: Self-satisfaction? And I,
0: yeah, that's my biggest problem, but there's no, There's no other thing, you know. And not that, to so say, you know support american-made products
1: yeah absolutely
0: but you know it, what i mean mm-hmm. it, i'm an american-made product guy so granted there's some things you can't get around right your cell phones and whatever else mm-hmm. but if there is as much as possible i would not saying for my product, there's other American-made products too. Mm -hmm. But these are the guys, like myself, that are proud of what we do. And and maybe my product is $8 more than, you know, some overseas brand. But especially now with everything that has happened from overseas, how could you want to support that?
2: (laughs) True. Too
1: many people want to. Too many people want to, but how can we trust them? Well, we should be helping out the little guy and putting it back into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and like I said, not for myself. There's lots of American-made companies. But these are the ones you should be embracing, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's my opinion is meaningless. I'm just venting on if there was something else that had not changed. That would be it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Nikki, what drives you outdoors, my friend?
0: What drives me outdoors is the time that I get to spend with friends and family.
1: Really? Elaborate on that
0: one. Yeah. So I love being, whether it's at a hunt camp or locally here, getting together with my friends and going and hunting. Whether I shoot or not shoot. Or they shoot. I don't care. I just the last, the time spent with them making these memories, those are the memories. And there's some places I go and I hunt and I'll shoot anything, right? So there's a time and place for everything. So depending where I'm going, you know, if I'm hunting a certain piece of property and I want to shoot a hundred and forty inch deer, I'm going to shoot a hundred and forty inch deer if the opportunity arises, I won't shoot anything else. But I may be going somewhere where we're going hunting and we're going to have fun, and a four-pointer might show up, or a double-patch button buck. Guess what? I'm going to lay the wood to that front of gun.
2: <laughs> Good man. That's just the way it's going to be.
0: Good man. You that know, I'm dangerous. a hunter. I'm a killer. I hate saying it like that, but it's the reality. At you the end what? of the day, we're killers. There's no way of sugarcoating that, harvesting this and that, you're a killer, period. But Just because you're a killer doesn't mean you have to kill all the time. There is a time and place for everything. But the best time is when you're with all your friends and your family. Whether you kill
2: her. 100%. That shared memory. We have
1: a hashtag around here. It is hashtag killers going to kill. And it's just, (laughs) it's one of those hashtags that we use all the time. And it's something that... It's just, you know, it's instinctual inside of you. Like, no matter what it is, whether you're chasing a big mature deer or whatever the case may be, catch a big fish, whatever. Killer's going to kill. It, it's just in our blood. It's, it's instilled in us. That's what we do. That's, it's just right. the way that it is. It doesn't have to be the I'm biggest ash- deer. It doesn't have to be the biggest anything. No.
0: Just, nope. It's and enormous. I'm not ashamed of who I am or what I am. Not at all. Some guys will try to sugarcoat around certain people. I don't. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is what I love to do. And your opinion is meaningless about me, or what I choose to do. I don't tell you what to do, whether you don't, you know, you want to eat lettuce and bread or whatever. You don't like meat. So that's fine. Don't eat it. Eat goddamn broccoli. What do I care? But don't. <laughs> look at me and say, Well oh my God, you're a disgusting person because you kill animals. And there's no way of there's no other way of putting it, right? We're killers at the end of the day. See,
1: you you live in New England more or less, right? And on the East Coast, and we have a problem yes. and like I had this problem before. Like I would always hide the fact that I was an outdoorsman or a hunter.
3: A lot know, of like, guys do.
1: And it was kind of like, just, you know, don't talk about it, don't, you know, don't don't you know like when you come out of the woods, don't make it very, just be nonchalant about it, so on and so forth. And I've just come to the realization that who cares? Just be who you are and it doesn't really matter. Put it out front. Let them know.
0: Be proud, exactly be proud of who you are. If they ask, don't be afraid to say what what you are or who you are. Don't be ashamed of a kill whether you yeah. your double throat button buck white patch whatever the hell you call it hey why well, be ashamed of it there there's you nothing the more dangerous sometimes
2: yeah there's nothing more dangerous in the world than a person who doesn't give a fuck.
0: exactly and i'm that guy yeah, exactly. and i don't know if it's a jersey thing you know growing up here in new jersey or whatever the case may be you know it is what it is if you don't like it be feet. It's Don't definitely ask. a
1: new, it's a Northeast thing. For no no qualms about it. It's definitely a Northeast yeah. thing. It definitely is.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just the way it's going to be.
2: Outstanding. Well, Nick, before we cut this thing off, where can everybody find you?
0: So they can go to newerautry.com, and they'll we have all our products there. We have Steadyform, Zeus B16 or they can actually go to each individual one, whether it's you know zeusbroadheads.com, steadyform.com, or b16.com. But the easiest way is just to go to com.
2: Awesome, social media platforms?
3: Yes,
0: we have social media, um, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, I started a little TikTok thing, and oh, I know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm trying.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I let, I let Trav handle that. I, I don't mess with yeah, I I don't do I it. I hear
0: you. I post these video clips of um deer that I shoot at or deer that I've let go. And
2: Wait, and they haven't banned you yet?
0: Okay. Not yet. <laughs> I don't show them falling down the ground. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Smart. PC. Yeah. yeah. So if you're going there to look for me doing some sort of dance and lip syncing or showing my boobs, it ain't going to happen, bro.
2: Dang it, man.
0: <laughs> that's what so gets the views. It, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's the views. That's the wrong TikTok. That's the wrong TikTok, homie.
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, Nick, as always, we appreciate you joining us. You always bring a lot to the I, table. And I'm, I'm glad you know, we really got I to heard. dig into the B-16 side of things because I yeah. think that's something a lot of people are going to want to really start looking into and investing as you start seeing this trend sure. from public kind of back to private type hunting, you know, public's losing its yep. glamor. And, yep. uh, yep. I think it's a good option for a lot of folks. So for everybody Absolutely. out there, and I,
0: yeah, go ahead.
3: I appreciate you guys
0: having me. I love, I love being on the show. I have a good time with you guys. Hey,
2: anytime and uh you know we always look forward to it i'm sure that uh absolutely the time before and after the show is going to reveal a whole lot more than we should probably put on air so we'll keep it cut that way (laughs) but in the meantime thank you again for joining us for everybody listening check them out make sure you follow along and uh, jump on these products it's not hype it's the real thing and nothing more to say than thanks for taking the ride right here on The Outdoor Drive.